This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 544 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Selena, Joker, and GL are now octogenarians. Batman returns to animation. More LSH members check in. Captain Boomerang, action hero. Impulse explains it all. A sporking escape. Terrific takes a quiz. True love saves the question. Jimmy versus Muhammad Ali. And a Jimmy Olsen 101. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, July 5th, 2020. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs. Subscribe to us via your favorite podcast catcher. And maybe leave us a review somewhere. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Well, we have four weeks to cover, so let's get started with three of the 80th anniversary issues, which were scheduled to come out over the last few months, but... We're just going to hit the highlights on these. Catwoman, 80th anniversary, 100-page, super spectacular, by Dini Lupacino, Nocente, Roca, King, Janin, Parker, Case, Sharp, Newell, Garbett, Dixon, Jones, Pfeiffer, Guerra, Ram V, Blanco, Brubaker, and Stewart. Selena beats an evil taxidermist at his own game, fights crooked and incompetent cops, fends off an alien invasion, Sends Clayface to the kiln, attends a Nightmare Comic-Con, goes on a road trip, and saves Slam Bradley. But the best story by far is Helena from Tom King. This is clearly set in the continuity he created during his long Batman run, and we learn that Selina is pregnant. She experiences morning sickness during a fight. Bruce brought along a bat bucket just in case. And is unsure whether she can be a good mother. The baby comes and she has to stay home some nights. She and Bruce split duties. We then cut to a graveyard and an elderly Selena being supported by Helena Wayne. Bruce is gone. It's also bright and peaceful. Pleasant. He'd hate it. Selena is clearly proud of Helena. It's unclear if she became Huntress. And talks about how they're so alike. They steal what they want. When Helena asks what she stole, Selena replies, Oh my dear, you stole my heart. It's unclear if we will ever get the Batman Catwoman miniseries that was supposed to wrap up King's storyline. Let's hope this wasn't put in as a substitute. Joker 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular by Snyder, Jock, Tinian IV, Jaden, Witta, Miller, Mora, O'Neill, Garcia Lopez, Tomasi, Bianchi, Dini, Rosmo, Taylor, Rizzo, Medeiros, Albuquerque, Daniel, Murray, Azarello, and Bermejo. So we have creepy tales about a plastic surgeon trying to help the Joker's victims, the similarities between the Crown Prince of Crime and the Dark Knight, Harley's nightmare about the Joker being executed, it's a nightmare because she's not in it, Joker playing a party clown, an accountant trying to fight back against him, a mob boss trying to earn his penance, and a fever dream parody of 60s comics. 
We also get a few goofy stories. A future where Bruce is dead and the world mourns, but leaves nothing for the Joker to do, so he goes to work at the BMV, as well as an attempt to go straight and help people in need, which goes horribly wrong. Finally, we get some backstory on the new Punchline character, which DC hopes is the next Harley, which is why they are jamming it down our throats. Green Lantern 80th Anniversary 100-Page Super Spectacular by Tinian IV, Frank, Johns, Rice, Bunn, Mankey, O'Neill, Grell, Mark, Banks, Tomasi, Pissarin, McDuffie, Crisscross, Venditti, Sandoval, Tamaki, Andolfo, Grace, and Villa Lobos. Unlike the other specials, this one can and does pull from the huge number of lanterns within the corpse and without, which makes it work better than the others forced to go over and over the same character. Alan Scott, recently brought back into continuity by Doomsday Clock, is firmly established as gay, couched in metaphors necessary at the time. In a retelling of his origin, Hal Jordan finds himself marooned and out of power, so he sends out final messages to his friends, only to learn he was just outside of Vegas the whole time. Sinestro tries to turn a rookie GL to his side. Helen Ollie Reed Walden. Kyle Rayner visits a U-Storit. Guy Gardner and Kilowog run into a birthday party. John Stewart and Hawkgirl fight Dr. Polaris on the Watchtower. Hal, John, and Kyle raise a glass to Guy. Jessica Cruz fights her inner demons. And Simon Baz teaches tolerance while kicking white supremacist butt. There's also a multi-page who's who of the Lanterns. By the way, these last two specials featured what is probably the final works of Denny O'Neill, who just passed. A huge influence on both the Bat Family and Hal Jordan, and really DC as a whole. Batman The Adventures Continue number 1 by Burnett, Dini, Templeton, and Kubina. Throughout the 90s and 2000s, DC did a long string of titles based on the animated adventures series. This has been dormant for quite a while, but they've brought the band back together in a digital first title. It's very much in the same style. Batman fights a huge robot, fends off a potential girlfriend, spars with Luthor, and saves Superman. We also meet Jason Todd in this continuity, and he clearly has designs on Bruce. Just a fun story. Legion of Superheroes number 6 by Bendis Souk. Von Grabbacher, and Belair. The first story arc completes with a big fight while taking the opportunity to formally introduce new members. Monster Boy, whose costume originally suggested Timberwolf, can turn into any type of fictional monster. There's a gold lantern of the Galactic. He has such an amazing story. Wait till you hear it. There's also a being wearing the helmet of Dr. Fate. In the end, the LSH uses Aquaman's trident to reestablish oceans on New Earth. There's a lot of splash pages with no dialogue showing the final fight. The Flash Annual Number 3 by Williamson, Segovia, Peterson, Pagulayan, Paz, and Hi-Fi. Annuals are often untied to the main continuity and could be printed today or 10 years from now. This story is not really a Flash story. He's a side character here. But it's really a tale of Captain Boomerang and the Suicide Squad, all told by Digger while he's in custody. Now, we haven't been reading the squad book, so I have no idea if this rendition aligns or not. There's a bunch of villains that look like they came directly from an artist's sketchbook, along with veterans Harley and Deadshot. Boomerang is taking them to his hiding place after they broke out of Belle Reve, and of course, Flash finds them while finishing up some fast food. After a short fight, Digger convinces Flash to help them. He's seen how they were treated and is sympathetic. There's a super stealthy jet they can use to get clear, but it's in the desert. They are unconvinced that Flash is on their side, so they won't separate as he speeds them there. 
The solution? He pulls them in the Captain Boomerang Mobile, a minivan. They are attacked by Deathstroke in his own vehicle. Was this issue underwritten by a toy company? <laughs> and another fight commences. Flash is apparently killed. Then Boomerang and Deathstroke face off. It's all a scam. Flash sped the rest of the team to the plane so they could get away. Barry then swaps Digger with Deathstroke in custody, then takes him back to his childhood home down under, hoping this adventure will make him turn up a new leaf. Nah, he just goes on a new mission with the rogues. Young Justice number 15 from Wonder Comics by Bendis, Walker, Timms, Godlewski, and Eltiab. The whole team, new and old Young Justice, come together to save Connor from Star Lab's Dr. Glory. She tries to escape via boom tube as they are occupied hugging it out, but Impulse and Arrowette are too fast for her. Speaking of Impulse, he read all of Star Lab's files while he was searching for Connor and has come to the conclusion that something broke the multiverse. He's confirmed that reboots have happened and that Connor avoided the effects of one of them while he was stuck on Gemworld. This is why only some people can remember him and why Tim was having what he thought was psychic manipulation. Connor, realizing he's not from this reality, decides he doesn't have to answer to anyone and is about to take out Dr. Glory when he says that if all these other people did so much to save him, he must be a good guy. The FBI arrives to clean up. Young Justice stops the monsters. Cassie and Tim kiss. Impulse gives Jenny Hex Dr. Fate's contact info and Naomi all the records available on how to return to her own world if she wants to. Drake suggests they make the new combined team official. Young Justice League, with members jumping in as needed and anyone can ask for help. Connor goes off to find Superman, which we already saw him do in his title, but first he confronts Impulse. Why was it so important to get Young Justice back together? Where have you been? What have you seen? We'll find out next issue. Billionaire Island number 2 from Ahoy Comics by Russell Pugh and Chuckery. For those that may not remember the first issue from several months ago, it's about a near future where the rich have decided to leave society and live on their own floating island. We get what was intended as satire from Mark Russell, although it seems more like history in retrospect. Billionaire Island includes its own movie studio, and we see a trailer for Alien vs. Predator, an illegal alien versus a child predator. Now back to the action. Our hero, Corey, has decided to sneak onto the island in plain sight and with his real name. He meets what appears to be a Texas oil man, but it turns out he got rich with an app that outsourced middle management. Meanwhile, the plucky reporter is trying to escape the waiting room where all non-rich people are trapped. We get some of her backstory showing how she always finds a way. Back to Corey, he's quickly found out, and drones attack him while he's on a studio tour with a cameo by Kevin Spacey. He runs onto a green screen set and wearing a green outfit cannot be found by the drones or the robots. But his luck runs out and he's zapped, then taken to a torture telepresence device. Back to the reporter and another prisoner, I forget what his deal is, who use a broken spork to jam up the feeding slot, slip out, only to find themselves on the edge of the island. As usual, Ahoy Comics come with short prose titles at the end, which tend to be of a Black Mirror vibe. Strange Adventures, number 2 of 12 from DC Black Label by King, Gerards, and Shainer. This issue goes back and forth between a flashback to the events on Ron and Mr. Terrific deciding whether or not he should agree to help Batman determine Adam's guilt or innocence. 
Speaking of that, Terrific spends what seems like a normal day, except that throughout he has a T-sphere quizzing him on absurdly difficult questions on a wide range of topics. It reminded me of Spock's testing in Star Trek IV. Back on Ron of the Past, Adam and Elena reunite, only to find that the main society has been forced to hide out in the wastes after the Pict invasion. Sardeth says they need help from the Helotat tribe to fight back, so Adam and Alana go off on their jetpacks to find them. First, Alana's jetpack fries from the heat, and after he leaves her behind, his does too. Adam kills a huge turtle creature and drinks its blood for sustenance. He finds the tribe and forces them at gunpoint to save his wife. Back to current day, Terrific reluctantly agrees to look into Adam's case. The final page has Terrific meeting the strangers. The title has lost all momentum due to recent events, so let's see if we can get it back. Lois Lane, number 11 of 12 by Rucka, Perkins, and Troy. When we last saw our heroes, the question had a gunshot wound and was about to be shot in the head by the angel of death. Meanwhile, Lois helplessly waits on the phone to find out if her friend is dead. Lois texts question to put her mask on, which brings back a flood of memories for the angel involving her former life with question as her lover. She agrees to save the question, and Jessica Midnight sets up to transfer her life energy to the question. Instead, the angel steps in and provides the energy. They all return to Lois's hotel room, and Question tells Lois not to blame herself for getting her almost killed. The angel has been changed back to her former life, and she kisses the question. Well, Lois has all the points she needs for her story, and the final issue will lay it all out. Jimmy Olsen, number 11 of 12, by Fraction, Lieber, and Fairburn. Jimmy has taken the spaceship he stole from his nearly ex-wife and gone to the scrub, an alien race introduced in none other than Superman versus Muhammad Ali, an oversized 70s special. The race is all about fair play to the extreme, and after giving a I'm-just-a-country-lawyer speech, the aliens confirmed there was no backsies on his marriage, so they agreed to fight on his side against the alien bully currently attacking his friends. Cut to the porcadillo in a holding cell for questioning. He goes over the whole ridiculous story for the cops, and after Detective Corrigan, not that one, suggests he tell them about the spats, they believe him. Unfortunately, they refuse to arrest Julian Olson, so they leave, and one of the cops calls someone. Cut to Jimmy's squad on the roof using various slippery stuff to stop the Daleks, I mean robots, from attacking them. Jimmy and the scrub arrive just in time, along with a plethora of characters we have met all along the way. Metamorpho, who forms armor around Jimmy, the reign of the Olsons, Arm Falloff Boy and his fam, a bunch of choker wannabes, the Jimmy Olsen fan club, and Swamp Thing. All together to help out their buddy in, well, it's not a crisis per se. Finally, the alien bully dares Jimmy to fight him one-on-one, and he agrees, only to let everyone else jump in to help. No, you dummy, death is for suckers. The bully is taken down, and Jimmy gives his betrothed the official annulment papers. Meanwhile, Julian and Lex meet. Lex was on the other end of the call from the cop, and he tells Julian he knows that Julian bankrupted his own family and tried to murder his brother. Lex did this in person, so he could announce that he won, taking Julian's photo in his moment of surrender. Back to Jimmy, who, after everything that's happened, decided to return to Metropolis. When reminded that he left there when someone was trying to kill him, he replies, Oh, I'm sure that's all blown over by now. 
back to the corrupt cop, dropping the dime on Julian to Lex. As he finishes the call, he runs literally into Superman, who wants to know about the Olsen-Luthor story. One more issue of wackiness to go. Well, we thought this would be a good time to do a Jimmy Olsen 101. So, since the miniseries is ending, it's time to cover the Daily Planet's Cub Reporter. His first appearance as an unnamed office boy was in Action Comics number 6 in 1938, but he wasn't given a name until the 1940s radio series, with Jackie Kelk and Jack Grimes voicing Jimmy. Tommy Bond, who earlier played a bully in the R-Gang comedies, played Jimmy in the 1940s movie serials. His first named comics appearance is in Superman number 13 in 1941, but after a few appearances, he dropped out of the comic for over a decade. He returned thanks to TV. They needed a junior character in the Adventures of Superman show, and so Jack Larson became the first live-action version of the character. Larson's Jimmy was so popular that DC kicked off Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, a year later in 1954. That title would run for 20 years and eventually merged with Lois Lane and Supergirl titles into Superman Family. The goofiness you're seeing in the new miniseries is a direct riff of the classic title. Running themes included Jimmy going undercover in ridiculous outfits to get a story, Jimmy transforming into bizarre forms, Superman teaching Jimmy a lesson. Cal was big into that back then. Jimmy waffling on whether to marry girlfriend Lucy Lane, Lois's kid sister and a stewardess. Jimmy being saved by Superman thanks to the ultrasonic signal watch. Meanwhile, Jimmy appeared in the Filmation Superman cartoon with Jack Grimes returning from the radio series, as did most of the main cast, doing Jimmy's voice. By 1970, the comic title was doing very poorly, it was rather out of date, and when DC managed to get Jack Kirby to come over, he grabbed that title. The new Jimmy Olsen was freaky and modern, with lots of elements from the fourth world and the new gods. Jimmy became far more self-sufficient and had no problem using a gun. Kirby's Olsen run went for two years. When WB produced a major motion picture for The Man of Steel, Mark McClure played the cub reporter and would do so in all the Christopher Reeve films as well as the regrettable Supergirl film. Michael Landis and later Justin Whalen played Jimmy on the Lois and Clark series while Aaron Ashmore did the same on Smallville. Speaking on that series, Jimmy actually dies at one point, although we learned that he was actually named Henry and that his kid brother was the real Jimmy. Since the 90s, various voice actors have played Jimmy in animated shows. Back to the movies and 2006 Superman Returns with Sam Huntington taking over the Olsen role. At one point, Brandon Routh's Clark and Jimmy commiserated at a bar with bartender Jack Larson. The 2010s brought us two very different Jimmys. A female version, Jenny Olsen in the Man of Steel film, and an African-American version in CW's Supergirl series played by McCad Brooks. Jimmy, as a character, at least in the comics, has gone from being a naive kid to the hipster he is today. Now, at this point, we'd usually do a who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. However, we've used the opportunity of the recent comic industry crisis to make some tweaks to our format. One of those, who's on the cover is no more. It really made no more sense when Entertainment Weekly became Entertainment Monthly. So we'll be replacing it with rotating segments like the 101 we just covered, more long box roulette, and digging into our library of graphic novels. Announcer Bot, 
How can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.